The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Frank Holland, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show is live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. here at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your 5 at 5. We begin with stocks coming off a whipsaw Wednesday as the surge in Treasury yields takes a bit of a break. We're going to see if stocks can hold on today. Also, the crude crush showing little signs of slowing down. Oil coming off its worst day in more than a year. Also, one step forward, two steps back for big tech overseas as UK regulators, they open a new probe into two of the Magnificent Seven. Plus, hackers, they hit the bottom line of one major US consumer brand outside of Las Vegas. And then later here on the show, closing in on a deal with the UAW is saying about Ford's latest offer three weeks into the strike. It is Thursday, October the 5th, 2023. You're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning. Welcome to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Frank Holland. Let's get you ready to start this day. As always, we kick off the hour with a check on U.S. stock futures. Take a look. We're seeing red across the board. The Dow looks like it would open up about 115 points lower right now. You see it vacillating right around 120, 119. The S&P and the Nasdaq both down just around a quarter of a percent or so. We're going to continue to watch this action. As always, it's pretty early. This is after a wild Wednesday for stocks. I saw the major averages nearly erase all of Tuesday's losses and post their best day in weeks. Ahead of the open, however, the down the S&P, they're still down sharply since Monday. Take a look right here at this chart. So you see the Nasdaq faring, you know, slightly better up fractionally for the week. However, the S&P and the Nasdaq in the red, the Dow, the hard, excuse me, the S&P and the Dow in the red, the Dow, the hardest hit down more than 1%. You can see some of the upside action right here. Um, the action in equities all tied to interest rates and treasuries. And yesterday was no different with the stock rally coinciding with the move lower in yields. I'm going to draw on it this time. You can see the move right here on the tail end of the chart. So the white line you can see right here, this is the 10-year note. You see that move lower. Over here is the S&P 500. You see it start to move higher, really a crisscross right here. Again, that inverse move we were just talking about. We also want to look at bonds in general. Across the curve, taking a look at yields right now, as always, begin with the benchmark 10-year. The benchmark 10-year at 4.75. The two-year note at 5.04. The 30-year bond at 4.89, easing back from getting closer to 5%. As we talked about yesterday, it was moving closer to higher, higher to 5% yesterday. Bond yields easing across the board right here. And should the sell-off in bonds show some staying power, that's something our Jim Cramer says could set us up for an even bigger move higher for stocks. We certainly have plenty of tinder for a rally. There are some Kingsfords lying around and maybe even a Duraflame or two. You get a weak payroll number on Friday, then I think we can get a narrow repeat of the rebound we saw in March. Bottom line, maybe all that needs to happen is for the frantic bond sellers to slow the pace of their sales. They don't even have to stop. They just have to be less desperate. Once that happens, we can finally focus on the myriad stocks that have been crushed for weeks now, many of which don't deserve it. All right, much more on Kramer's comments, maybe even another barbecue reference coming up later in the hour. 
Before that, though, we're going to look at energy very quickly, oil specifically, coming off its worst day since September of 2022 with a more than 5% slide. Right now, we're seeing more downside action for oil. We're seeing WTI crude at 83.33, well below 90 bucks a barrel. Just a few days ago, it was above 90 bucks a barrel, down 1% in the pre-market. Brent crude, that's the international benchmark at 84.95, also down 1%. It was also well above 90 bucks a barrel. Natural gas actually moving very slightly to the upside. All right, that's the U.S. setup. Let's see how uh, Europe is shaping up as its trading day gets underway. We have our Juliana Tattlebaum in our London newsroom with much, much more on the early action. Juliana, over to you. Frank, good morning. Well, it's already been a pretty interesting session, and we've only been open for a couple of hours here in Europe. But let me kick off with Asia, the overnight trade. We took a, a note from Wall Street, the rebound that we saw in yesterday's session fed through to a positive session in Asia. We had a rebound overnight across the board. The previous session had been quite downbeat. But as you can see here, the Nikkei 225 in Japan managed to gain about 1.8%, so pretty decent to move higher there. Uh, the the topics also gaining about 2% in overnight trade. But here in Europe, it's been a slightly choppier story, and things have really taken a turn for the worse in the last 20 minutes or so. Um, you also have seen U.S. futures take a, a little bit of a leg lower in the last half an hour or so. Seems to be coinciding with renewed selling in bond markets. You mentioned that relief ra- that we saw in bond markets yesterday that coincided with the rally in stocks on Wall Street. This morning, we're seeing a little bit of a reversal of that now in Europe. So bond yields moving higher this morning, and in turn, we are now seeing a downturn in equity markets. All of these were green just a half an hour ago. So you can see that sentiment is turning quite quickly. Still a patch of green on the board for the Spanish market, the IBEX 35 up nine basis points or so. For context, yesterday the stock 600 did retreat. It lost about 0.14%. We did close up before you had the the bulk of that rally that you saw stateside. So uh, a lot to keep an eye on over here in Europe. Frank? All right, Juliana, thank you very much. We have our Juliana Tattlebaum live in our London newsroom. Great to see you as always. All right, turning back to the U.S. markets, the impact of rising rates on stock not expected to ease until the sharp rise in bond yields reverses. That's according not only to our Jim Cramer, but also a new note from RBC Wealth Management's technical team. They say rising rates as well as a rising dollar that remain critical headwinds for equities, which will need to see both reverse for stocks to find a bottom. The team adds that while many analysts have been citing 4,200 as an important support level for the S&P 500, RBC says any level or any break below 4,000 is a signal this year's cycle rebound is failing. For more, let's bring in Dan Brew, Chief Investment Officer at Palisade Capital Management. Dan, great to have you right here in the house. Great. Thank you, Frank. All right. So, again, RBC has a great point. A lot of people have been saying the technical support level for the S&P 500 was 4,200. They say it's really 4,000. So do you agree or disagree with their take? And what happens if we go past 4,000 in your mind? Yeah, you're you're breaking. They're exactly right. You're breaking the longer term trend. And that would really coincide with a continued reduction in liquidity. Liquidity is critical right now. That's why everybody is keying in on the 10 year Treasury yield. Again, uh, conditions are far more restrictive today than they've been in a long time. So we've been talking a lot about the yields, um, obviously a lot of volatility as well. We also hit on the rising dollar right there. Are there certain sectors right now? There's a lot of volatility. Are there certain sectors you're just completely staying away from? Are there certain sectors you don't see as investable right now with these higher rates and so much volatility? Anything with a lot of leverage where you have a debt stack that's going to be repriced because if a company has maturities, they have to go into the market and borrow money. It's going to be significantly higher. Remember, we had a long period, an unusually long period 
of near zero and for many times zero interest rates. All that debt eventually comes due that when companies borrowed at very, very low rates, it has to be re replaced with such dramatically higher rates today. So yesterday we had services ISM. Tomorrow we have the jobs report, two pretty critical economic uh, data points and releases that the Fed is going to probably watch pretty closely. In your mind right now, where are you falling? Are you in the soft landing, hard landing camp? Do you believe that the Fed will actually raise rates again this year? I don't think so. I think they're done. Uh, but what they did was really to uh, raise rates at the longer end of the curve by, by essentially uh, uh, giving guidance that rates would stay higher for a longer period of time. And I think the market just woke up to that reality right now. Really? Because they've been saying it for so long. <laughs> You'd think so. But, you know, the 10-year tells it all. 10s to 30s, you know, that whole yield structure just moved up since the last time, since Jackson Hole and since the last Fed meeting. All right. I know you don't have a crystal ball, but are we in a situation with the jobs report that good news is bad news or is good news now good news? I mean, we keep going back and forth with all this. Uh, the, uh, our sense from talking to a variety of different companies in a lot of different sectors is things are moderating. I don't see like a big dramatic deceleration. There's areas of the market, certainly certain sectors of retail that are weaker than others. Uh, but the overall economy looks pretty good because the longer term trends of reshoring to the United States, those bigger trends are still very much uh, in place right now. All right. Dan Baru, always great to see you. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Now we're going to get a check on some of this morning's top corporate stories. Our Silvana Hanau is here with those. Silvana, good morning. Hey, Frank, good morning to you. Well, new reports say the UAW has narrowed its differences on pay increases with Ford following a Monday offer from the company that's led to what Reuters describes as, quote, really active talks. The report adds UAW President Sean Fain plans to update members again this Friday, but unclear whether he will call for more strikes or announce the union has made sufficient progress to avoid more escalation. City is boosting its forecast for China's GDP to 5% this year, citing stronger-than-expected policy support and a, quote, clear cyclical bottom. The bank had previously downgraded China's outlook to 4.7% on the back of a disappointing post-COVID rebound and property sector headwinds. And ATT is reportedly exploring options for its 70% stake in DirecTV, including an outright sale. AT&T is closing in on its contract end date with private equity firm TPG, one it formed back in 2021, which valued DirecTV at about $16 billion, Frank. Yeah, you know what? Ever since DirecTV lost the uh, Sunday ticket, uh, I think it's been definitely hitting subscribers yeah, right there. Looking absolutely. at shares of AT&T, however, down fractionally in the pre-market. Hey, Silvana, great to see you. We'll see you later on the show. See you later. All right, a lot more to come here on Worldwide Exchange, including the one word that investors have to know today. But first, your big money movers and why shares of Rivian are hitting a pretty big roadblock ahead of the open. Plus, it's not just casinos. Cyber criminals now hitting the bottom lines of key consumer stocks. And then later, the race for a new House speaker it's getting a little bit crowded. The latest from D.C. and a very busy hour on Worldwide Exchange Return. Stay with us. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. 
Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. I won't let my active psoriatic arthritis joint symptoms define me. Emerge as you. Tremphia guselkumab is proven to significantly reduce joint pain, stiffness, and swelling in adults with active psoriatic arthritis. Some patients even reported less fatigue as assessed by survey one week prior. Results may vary. Tremphia is taken by injection six times a year after two starter doses at week zero and four. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your big money movers. We start with shares of Clorox under some pressure this morning. The company warning that quarterly sales and profit for its most recent quarter took a big hit due to a cyber attack that significantly affected operations. Bloomberg is reporting hacker group Scattered Spider was responsible for the August breach. The same group is tied to attacks on casino companies, MGM and Caesars. Shares of Clorox down almost 5% right now. Shares of Rivian Automotive also under pressure, the EV maker issuing preliminary quarterly sales estimates that were in line with what the street was looking for. The EV maker also announced plans to offer $1.5 billion worth of new convertible notes due in 2030. Guidance is for Q3 sales to come in right around $1.3 billion. Shares of Rivian down almost 9%. And shares of BlackBerry, however, they're popping right now. The company says it plans to spin off its Internet of Things business through an IPO in the first half of its next fiscal year, which starts in February. BlackBerry says separating its IoT and cyber business units is the best strategic option for the company. Shares of BlackBerry right now up more than 4%. All right, we're now turning to tech overseas. The U.K.'s top anti-competitive regulators are launching a new probe into Amazon and Microsoft over market dominance in cloud computing. You can see shares of both are down in the pre-market right now. CNBC senior tech reporter Arjun Kapal, he joins me now live from London with much more on this story. Arjun, good morning. What's the latest? Good morning, Frank. Well, this comes after a months-long investigation by uh, the UK's communications regulator, Ofcom, into the cloud computing market. And as a result of that, they found three areas of concern. Uh, one is something they called egress fees, and they say that this is the cost of a, a business moving their data from one cloud provided to another. They say these are significantly higher with companies like Amazon and Microsoft, these so-called hyperscalers. The second issue they flag are technical restrictions, saying that products from one company don't work with another, and this prevents some services, therefore, uh, from working with rival products. And the third one is the discounting these companies use, where they entice customers, they say, to spend more money over a longer period of time, and this discourages businesses uh, from uh, using more than one cloud computing provider. We had a chance to catch up earlier with Fergal Farahar, the consumer policy director at Ofcom, to ask about their specific concerns around Amazon and Microsoft. Let's just listen in. What we'd like to see is a um, fair playing field for competition in the market, and I think that's all about making sure that the business customers who rely on the cloud can switch and use multiple providers easily. That will allow those rival providers to really challenge Amazon and Microsoft 
grow their business in the UK and actually have a much wider product set portfolio that looks really attractive to businesses who use the cloud. So Ofcom saying here, it's harder for businesses to find a good deal with cloud computing providers. It's difficult for them to switch between different providers and difficult for them to use more than one cloud computing uh, provider as well. They're also saying here that because of some of these practices, that it's potentially more difficult for smaller competitors to compete with some of the tech giants, particularly Microsoft and Amazon, which they say has about an 80% market share in cloud computing here in the UK. So now uh, the Ofcom sending this to the Competition and Markets Authority, the same uh, regulator who's looking at that Microsoft and Activision deal here in the UK for them now to further probe the cloud computing market, Frank. Yeah, Arjun, they're clearly very worried about competition. They did also point out that Google Cloud has about 10% market share in the UK. So it's not a complete monopoly. There is another pretty large player. Um, In your mind, what are the next steps? What are you expecting from these regulators? Yeah, they're concerned. I mean, Google's a distant third. And so they're saying, well, look, two players are dominating the market. And so there needs to be space for more. What happens next now is the Competition and Markets Authority will, will look at the broader cloud commuting market taking into account some of the concerns that Ofcom has raised. And they'll look at it more broadly. They'll look at some of the structural issues. And in a few months' time, they'll come up with uh, a, a bigger document around what exactly is the scope of their investigation. What are they looking at? What are they particularly concerned about on the competition front in the cloud computing market? Uh, and uh, eventually, they'll conclude with uh, their findings and an investi- of the investigation and potentially some remedies for these companies, what they might have to do to allay some of those fears. Now, the CMA said this will take up to potentially April 2025. So another sort of 18 months or so uh, down the line, this will take some time, uh, but it's a big deal. There's a lot to look into here. And so clearly uh, there could be some big changes for these tech giants if the CMA indeed does find that there are potential distortions in the cloud computing market in the UK, Frank. All right. So clearly just the beginning of this process right now, again, it's early days. Do we have a sense of whether or not these companies are willing to work with regulators or do they plan to fight them in court? Yeah, no, they're very willing to work with the regulators. We've seen that here so far with, uh, you know, Microsoft is a great example with its uh, $69 billion proposed takeover of Activision. The CMA initially blocked that deal, then invited Microsoft to bring back a new proposal. Microsoft has done so, and the regulators uh, in the UK looking set to clear that in the next couple of weeks uh, as well. So clearly the tech giants willing to work with regulators here. The key for me, Frank, and whether this is going to have an impact for investors here is does this investigation result in any significant business practice changes for these cloud computing giants that fundamentally really uh, creates a slowdown in growth or impacts profitability in any way? Uh, at this point in time, there's no signal that this could be done. Uh, but clearly, that's what investors are going to be watching for going forward as this investigation progresses. All right. Our Arjun Kapal live in London. Arjun, thank you very much. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, closing the pay gap, one of the largest minority populations here in the U.S. New data and insights on the Latina equal pay on Latino equal pay after this. I won't let my active psoriatic arthritis joint symptoms define me. Emerge as you. 
Tremphia guselkumab is proven to significantly reduce joint pain, stiffness, and swelling in adults with active psoriatic arthritis. Some patients even reported less fatigue as assessed by survey one week prior. Results may vary. Tremphia is taken by injection six times a year after two starter doses at week zero and four. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of an infection including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. Since I was a little girl, I have been surrounded by beauty in our Latina culture, watching my mom take care of her skin, put on makeup, my aunt. Beauty is such an inherent part of who we are as Latinas. And so I took that passion that I had for beauty growing up as a Latina, and then I turned it into a career. And I don't work a day in my life because I'm having so much fun. That was Estee Lauder Global Brand President of Clinique and Origins, Michelle Ferrer. The CNBC celebrates Hispanic heritage with the story of influential Hispanic business leaders. Today is Latina Equal Pay Day, which symbolically marks the day into this year to which Latinas must work to earn as much as their white, non-Hispanic male co-workers earned in 2022 alone. Our Brandon Gomez joins us with some fresh insights and how companies are working to close that gap Brandon, good morning. It is great to have you here. Morning, Frank. Uh, that's absolutely right. It's 10 additional months that Latinas have to work to earn as much as their white, non-Hispanic male counterparts. It's a little different today, more symbolic as opposed to the exact day. As activists say, there's really no catching up. Latinas working full-time year-round, earning an average of 57 cents for every dollar paid to their white, non-Hispanic male coworkers. Now, you spread that across a 40-year career, and that is $1.2 million lost, over $30,000 a year. That's enough to pay for nine months of childcare, six months of rent, or 14 months of family groceries, according to some calculations. And you have to remember, too, that Latinas aren't one group, right? For example, the wage gap is actually wider for Honduran women compared to, say, Argentinian women, earning as little as 44 cents for every dollar. Now, two takeaways, though, for companies this year looking to address the gap. Ahead of tomorrow's jobs report, uh, Latina labor participation. Look, it's climbing. Right? But Latinas are disproportionately represented in the low-paid workforce, making it hard for workers to gain wage momentum. So industry leaders aren't simply relying on employment growth to close the gap. Now, you have the other side of the coin, too, Latinas with professional degrees in higher-tier positions, not necessarily faring any better. Data actually shows the wage gap widens further for those Latinas to $2.5 million over their career showing that furthered education is not necessarily the guaranteed pathway to economic stability. So what have companies done? Well, our partner Just Capital found that companies who conduct wage gap analysis internally by race and gender and disclose their results are more likely to have closed the gap. Currently, 4% of the Russell 1000 companies reaching pay parity by race. Starbucks, Microsoft, you see them there, GE, uh, among those names that are leading the charge in closing the gap, Frank. Brandon, thank you very much. Such an important story, especially during this month. We appreciate it. Our Brandon Gomez, welcome to Worldwide Exchange. Thank you. It's good thank to be you. on the set. 
All right, well, pay equity and access to capital, just some of the topics on the agenda this Monday in New York City. The CNBC hosts Equity and Opportunity Exec Connect. This event's going to bring together leaders in an effort to empower the next generation of Hispanic and Latino executives. Our Silvana Hanau and Bertha Coombs will lead the event with interviews of Hispanic business leaders. For more, go to cnbcevents.com slash exec dash connect for more information about this event. All right, time now to get a check on this morning's headlines outside the world of business. NBC's Jessica Layton in New York with the very latest. Good morning. Frank, good morning. Good to see you. The first two Republicans put their names up for consideration to replace Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House. First, Steve Scalise of Louisiana. He's currently the House Majority Leader and has been McCarthy's second in command for years. And also Ohio's Jim Jordan, who is the chair of the House Judiciary Committee. You may remember Jordan made a name for himself as a defender of former President Donald Trump. A funeral service will be held today for the late Senator Dianne Feinstein, former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Pelosi was among the many to pay their respects to Feinstein as she lie in state at San Francisco City Hall. Today's service will also be at City Hall, where Feinstein launched her trailblazing career as that city's first female mayor. Pelosi will speak at today's memorial along with Vice President Kamala Harris. And now let's jump over to gymnastics. Simone Biles leading Team USA to a record seventh straight gold medal at Worlds. It is the 26th time Biles has medaled on the world stage and the fifth gold for her at the World Championships. Biles and Shailise Jones will now compete individually in the all-around final, which streams Friday on Peacock. Frank, I'll send it back to you. Oh, that's going to be a good one right there. I'm looking forward to the Olympics in Paris this year, right? Nine months away. Oh, it's going to be a good one. All right, Jessica, always great to see you. Thank you very much. All right, as we had to break here in Worldwide Exchange, we're going to give you today's big consumer stat. It is 69%. More than two-thirds of consumers with student loans say they're cutting back on spending. That's according to KeyBank's consumer survey published this week. The resumption of loan payments remains a significant headwind for consumer spending in Q4. The firm's saying we'll see if that spending pullback has enough behind it to hit shares of Constellation brands. We're going to lay out the metrics to watch ahead of earnings coming up right after this. Stay with us. It's right around 5.30 a.m. in the New York City area. There's just a lot more ahead here on Worldwide Exchange. Here is what's still on deck. The relief uh, in the slide in stocks looking a little short-lived right now after Dow snaps a three-day losing streak. Futures are facing some pressure ahead of the open. We're also getting a fresh look at the consumer with Constellation Brands on tap. But with a recent boom for its Modelo beer boost the bottom line, we talked to one investor that is long on the stock and women making progress in the workplace. New data on where advances are being made and where there is still more work that needs to be done. It's Thursday, October the 5th, 2023. You are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Frank Collins. Get you ready to start this day. As always, we pick up the half an hour with the check on U.S. stock futures after that Wednesday stock pop. Right now, however, we are seeing red across the board at session lows right now. The Dow looking like it open up about 130 points lower. The S&P and the Nasdaq both lower just under a half a percent. We're also looking at the bond market. Yields slightly off yesterday's highs. Take a look right now. As always, we begin with the benchmark 10-year at 4.74. The two-year still above 5%, but well below where it was yesterday. A lot of downside movement when it comes to the 30-year, the long bond as well. Right now at 4.88. Yesterday it was inching closer to a 5% yield. We also want to talk about oil coming off its worst day in more than a year. Taking a look right now. WTI and Brent both back below 90 bucks a barrel. WTI at 
down almost three quarters of one percent. Brent crude, the international benchmark, down just uh, just about over a half a percent, kind of in between a half a percent and three quarters of a percent. More move in natural, more of a move in natural gas, however, to the upside. That is natural gas up a half a percent, moving higher from earlier in the show. All right, now we want to look ahead to some earnings. Constellation Brands that reports its earnings just about two hours from now. Shares are up 10% higher since the beginning of April, when controversy over Bud Light's partnership with a transgender influencer infused politics into the beer market and shifted some consumer buying habits, giving a boost to names like Corona and Modelo, the latter, overtaking Bud Light to become the top-selling beer here in the U.S. Let's look at the numbers. Revenue and earnings are forecast to increase by 6% in the company's second quarter. Operating margins are forecast to be 32.2%, compared to 33.2% a year ago. Webbush says input costs have weighed on operations. Constellation has targeted 39 to 40% margins for its beer portfolio, which accounts for the majority of sales. Guidance, that's really the key metric to watch. According to Cowan, Constellation brand sales, they really surged higher over the past three months, with Modelo, Corona, and Pacifico all seeing a 15% sales increase compared to the overall beer market, which has risen just about 2.5%. Joining me now to talk more about the quarter is Mike Coe, Chief Investment Officer at Optimized Advisors and a CNBC contributor. Mike, good morning. Great to have you here on Worldwide Exchange. Good morning. Thanks, Frank. Great to be here. All right. So you are an investor in this stock. Give us a sense if you're long or if you're short. And what do you need to see in this report to keep you invested in Constellation Brands? Yeah, so we're, we're long the stock. Uh, we're generally long investors overall. Uh, you know, a couple of things that I, I like about it. First, we'll just talk about the space. I mean, you were just highlighting the fact that we obviously see some increased market volatility here in an environment like that. It's kind of nice to be in names that have a lower beta. Constellation fits the bill on that score. It has a beta of about 0.8 relative to the S&P. Uh, you know, something else to like about it, it's trading at a slight discount to the market, probably about 19 and a half times earnings, which is a discount both to its own peers in the U.S., I should point out, not uh, internationally necessarily, and a discount to the S&P itself. And, you know, I think you want to be in uh, non-cyclical businesses in an environment like this. A company has decent free cash flow. Obviously, you've highlighted some of the growth they've seen I think that growth is probably not going to be quite as sustainable in the long term. They had, as you were pointing out, uh, the benefit of uh, that boycott. They, they took over a lot of the market share that AB InBev lost in the Bud Light sales. And I think that that probably has run its course, if we will say that. I don't think that Bud Light's going to regain their market share necessarily, but I think that probably most of the damage that will okay. be done has been done. All right. So I also want to talk to you just about this current rate environment and also the stretch consumer. Are you concerned that the stretch consumer could hurt sales going forward? Q4 generally is the best quarter when it comes to alcohol and beer sales. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, it's we're obviously in right in the football season. That's obviously a big thing to watch. I think that's going to be an important part of it. Uh, I have a feeling that this is probably one of the things that consumers are not necessarily going to cut back on. I mean, there are there are other places that they're getting pinched, uh, but I don't necessarily think that things like Modelo, which is now the the leading beer sales in the in the country, is necessarily going to see big pullbacks. This is this isn't a luxury item. All right, uh, Mike. I also want to play some sound from the Molson Core CEO. You mentioned some of the peers in the beer space. The Molson Core CEO on Mad Money last night with Jim Cramer, and he talked about his company moving beyond beer. Take a listen. We're moving beyond beer. We're moving into non-alcoholic products, whether those are energy drinks, whether they're non-alcoholic beers. In fact, one of our bigger innovations, which I think is going to be a big deal for us, is the launch of 
of Blue Moon Non-Elk, which we're bringing um, in uh, December, just in time for, for dry January. And I think that's going to play right into that space. Into that, uh, space. All right, so that was the Molson Core CEO talking about their company offering some non-alcoholic offerings. Um, Sir Constellation Brands, you know, just very, doesn't have many non-alcoholic offerings, if at all. They do have a, a wine portfolio. Are you worried about a lack of diversification and just the company leaning too much on its beer offerings? You know, I think that's a really good point that you're making, because one of the things that we have seen is that I think that there is basically uh, more flexibility in what consumers are going for in the beverage space. And, you know, so that brand loyalty thing, I think the Bud Light issue highlighted the fact that maybe it isn't as secure as some people thought. And then, of course, we've seen uh, a lot of innovative beverage products coming out in the alcohol space. But I, I think this is, you know, sort of the core constituency that they have. And, you know, we really should think of them as a U.S. brewer. They're much smaller than AB InBev. It's 80 uh, percent of their revenues is uh, basically U.S. beer sales. And so I think we really sort of have to highlight and focus on that because everything else that they're into, including even things like cannabis, which uh, they have a big shared canopy, uh, you know, those are really opportunities. And really, we're going to be focusing most of our attention on how their core beer brands are doing. Well, Mike, you led me to my last question. Um, we're going to take a look at canopy shares right now. The, uh, the entire cannabis sector under a lot of pressure this year. We're taking a look. Shares down 66 percent year to date. Are you concerned about the uh, canopy investment in that part of this company's portfolio and the fact that it really moves on retail trading and sentiment and just the hope of legalization? Yeah, really, I, I, not at all, because this actually only represents an opportunity for this company. The, uh, the revenues that they get from this area are less than 4% of their total revenues, and that's actually less than half of the incremental increase in their beer revenues year on year for the uh, 12 months ending in February of this year. So this simply represents an opportunity. I mean, if that even if it went to zero, it's it's pretty much a rounding error for them. All right, Mike Coe, uh, Constellation Brands investor, we really appreciate appreciate you being here and sharing some of your insight ahead of the earnings report. Thank All you. Right. Time now to get a check on some of this morning's top corporate stories. We have our Savannah Hanau back with those. Savannah. Hey, Frank, good morning. Well, Frank, Apple reportedly weighed going in a different direction from Google for its Safari web browser. According to Bloomberg, testimony from the DOJ Google antitrust trial revealing Apple entered talks with DuckDuckGo to replace Google as the default for Safari's private browsing mode. The report adding both sides talked about 20 times between 2018 and 2019 on the idea before Apple decided against it. Meta officially rolling out some of its first generative AI tools for advertisers. The tech will allow them to use the AI to create backgrounds, expand images, and generate multiple versions of ad text based on their original copy. The move marks Meta's first move of including generative AI tech in its products in a bit to tap into past data for new content. And women are making gains in corporate America, according to new data from Lean In and McKinsey. The ninth annual Women in the Workplace report showing that women's representation in the C-suite has grown to 28 percent. That's the highest it's ever been. But there's still progress to be made in other areas, with the report revealing that for every 100 men promoted from an entry-level job to manager, 87 women and only 73 73 women of color are promoted, Frank. Yeah, you know, something that we continue to watch here. We were just yeah. talking about it earlier. Right, with, with Latina Brandon, equal yes. Pay Day. Mm -hmm. So we'll continue. There is progress, but more work to do. Absolutely. Savannah Hanau, thank you very much.
All right, we're now turning to the fallout of a massive money laundering scandal in Singapore. The focus of that rapidly growing scandal now turning to China and privately held family offices. Our Robert Frank joins us now with much more on this developing story. Robert, good morning. Good morning, Frank. Great to see you. Well, Singapore authorities freezing assets worth more than $2 billion in a money laundering probe that is quickly expanding. So far, they've seized 152 properties, 62 cars, gold bars, and jewelry. Ten people have been charged so far with laundering proceeds from illegal gambling and other operations. The suspects are all from China or have links to China. Now, this scandal has exposed a dark side to the massive wave of wealth flowing out of China and into Singapore. More than $1.5 trillion went into Singapore last year from around the world, much of that from China. That says the Chinese wealthy hope to move money out of the reach of government crackdowns and potential tensions over Taiwan. Singapore depends on its reputation for a clean and well-policed financial system. Authorities there now working with the big banks to try to figure out where the gaps might have been. Officials also looking at the potential role of family offices. Those are the private investment arms of very wealthy families. Now, the number of family offices registered in Singapore has more than tripled since the pandemic to over 1,000. Family offices have minimum disclosure requirements And until recently, Frank, they paid no taxes on the investment gains. So Singapore became a global capital for these family offices. Big question now of whether they were at all involved, whether they become a popular vehicle for money laundering and whether that changes the policy in Singapore. So, Robert, pretty eye popping number right there. One point five trillion dollars leaving in 2022. What's China's position been on all this money leaving again? One point five trillion. Well, as you might guess, they've been trying to stop it. China takes a sort of on-again, off-again strategy when it comes to overseas wealth. You know, in 2014, 2015, when China was doing well, they kind of turned a blind eye to a lot of the wealth moving overseas. In fact, encouraged some overseas investment by Chinese nationals and companies. Now, with the need for capital in China, they're absolutely cracking down. There were questions, in fact, in Singapore as to whether Singapore cracked down on this laundering probe, which had been going on for quite a while, At the behest of Chinese authorities, Singapore said, no, we did our own investigation. We cracked down on laundering when we find it. But this is something that is is clearly in line with the Chinese policy of right now making sure that no more money or certainly less money leaves China because they need all the capital they can get right now. All right, our Robert Frank, very important story there. Robert, always great to see you. Thank you very much. All right. Coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, British regulators taking fresh aim at Amazon and Microsoft over their cloud dominance. What officials are telling CNBC this morning. But first, as we had to break, we have some of your top trending stories. We begin with Popeye's taking down Colonel Sanders and KFC to become the number two chicken chain here in the U.S. But Chick-fil-A remains the king a decade after it first knocked KFC from the top spot. Barclays says both Popeye's and KFC, they've lost market share to Chick-fil-A over the past year. And people are buying less food. And Walmart says blame Ozempic. The retailer says it's seeing an impact on shopping demand from consumers taking the diabetes and weight loss drugs Ozempic and Wegovy. The CEO of Walmart's U.S. operations says there's been a slight pullback in overall purchases, less units, and slightly fewer calories. And the astronaut wears Prada. The Italian fashion house is helping to make spacesuits for NASA. They're going to be worn on the Artemis III mission planned for 2025 which is NASA's attempt to return people to the moon for the first time since 1972. 
Prada was chosen for its expertise in making and using comfortable materials. We are back right here on Worldwide Exchange in a moment. Stay with us. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. It's time now for your morning call sheet. We begin with A.B. Bernstein initiating coverage of Instacart, giving it a market perform rating and a $30 price target. It calls the company a market leader with value in its digital advertising business, but it's warning market share and ad dollars will be hard fought. Taking a look at shares of Instacart this morning, down just over a half a percent. City's raising its rating on O'Reilly Auto Parts to a buy. City saying the recent pullback in shares presents an attractive buying opportunity for the stable defensive retail stock. Shares of O'Reilly this morning flat in the pre-market as of now. Also, we have Raymond James cutting its rating on Clorox to market perform. Raymond James citing that big operations hit from a cyber attack on Clorox and the company will need time to ramp up its pipeline, which could result in a continued loss of retail sales and an eventual need to increase promotion. Shares of Clorox right now down almost 5%. And it's time now for your global briefing. We begin with shares of Chinese property developer Sunak popping after receiving approval from a Hong Kong court to restructure $9 billion worth of offshore debt. The decision makes Sunak the first major developer in China to win such approval and comes nearly two years after the company first defaulted. Rival Evergrande so far has not been as lucky. An Irish high court examining Amgen's proposed acquisition of Horizon Therapeutics is set to begin in the next hour. If approved, the nearly $28 billion deal is expected to close shortly after. This following the FTC's approval of the deal last month under a settlement agreement. And the U.K.'s top anti-competitive regulators are launching a new probe into Amazon and Microsoft over market dominance in cloud computing. Ofcom's policy, consumer policy director telling CNBC this morning it's all about making competition balanced. What we'd like to see is a um, fair playing field for competition in the market. And I think that's all about making sure that the business customers who rely on the cloud can switch and use multiple providers easily. That will allow those viable providers to really challenge Amazon and Microsoft, grow their business in the UK, and actually have a much wider product set portfolio that looks really attractive to businesses who use the cloud. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, we have the one word that every investor needs to know today, plus the potential tender our Jim Cramer says could spark a market rally. We'll have much more on that when we come back. Stick with us. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. It's time now for your WEX wrap-up. We begin with Taiwan Semiconductor facing challenges, setting up two fabrication plants in Arizona, citing culture shock from the company's first overseas development move. Those shares right now, they're up about a third of a percent. All right, Rivian shares, however, they're under pressure despite quarterly sales estimates coming in line with forecasts of around $1.3 billion. The company also announcing plans to offer $1.5 billion worth of new convertible notes due in 2030. Alstom shares plunging overseas after warning of negative full-year free cash flow due to higher production costs and order delays. You can see those shares right now down more than 37%. BlackBerry shares, they're moving higher on plans to spin off its Internet of Things business through an IPO next year. BlackBerry, more than 4% higher. Exxon is expecting third-quarter operating profit to rise by nearly $1 billion from the previous quarter due to higher oil, gas, and fuel prices. But they say chemical margins are getting thinner. Shares right now of of Exxon actually down 1%. And the McRib, it's back. McDonald's planning to bring back the sandwich next month, just one year after its so-called farewell tour. But you shouldn't wait too long to get it. McDonald's says the McRib will not be available nationwide. And it is back only for a limited time, even though they said it was a farewell tour and then they brought it back. So you never know. 
All right, here's what to watch today. Initial jobless claims, they're out ahead of the open. We also have earnings from Constellation Brands and Levi Strauss. We're also watching day two of FDX founder Sam Bankman-Fried's trial. Plus, we have a trio of Fed speeches from Cleveland Fed President Loretta Mester, Richmond President Tom Barkin, and San Francisco President Mary Daly. All right, back to the markets. They're looking to give back some of yesterday's gains as investors look ahead to the potential impact of tomorrow's jobs report. Our Jim Cramer says he's watching the payrolls and he's watching them closely, and he believes there's a potential spark for the markets if this number comes in lower than expected. We certainly have plenty of tinder for a rally. There are some Kingsfords lying around and maybe even a Duraflame or two. You get a weak payroll number on Friday, then I think we can get a narrow repeat of the rebound we saw in March. Bottom line, maybe all that needs to happen is for the frantic bond sellers to slow the pace of their sales. They don't even have to stop. They just have to be less desperate. Once that happens, we can finally focus on the myriad stocks that have been crushed for weeks now, many of which don't deserve it. All right, let's talk much more about this with Adam Christofoli, founder and president of Vital Knowledge. Adam, welcome to Worldwide Exchange. Thanks for having me, Frank. All right, so you just heard Kramer. His theory is if we get a weaker-than-expected jobs report, markets are just set for a rally. Agree or disagree? I agree. I think, um, you know, there's a lot of anxiety about the economy being too strong, inflation being too hot. So if you do see the Friday jobs report from the Bureau of Labor Statistics confirm what we saw out of ADP, um, and I know historically the two have not really correlated that well, but if you do see a shortfall tomorrow, I, thir- I think that will give a further boost to Treasuries, similar to what you saw yesterday. And the drop in yields will be a big relief to stocks. However, um, you know, to the extent you really start to see data deteriorate going forward, stocks are eventually going to have to reckon with a slower growth outlook, um, which is why I think you know sustained rallies in the market up to about you know 4,500 or so should be faded rather than chased. Um, because I do think that you're going to have a, a more somber growth outlook over the coming quarters. All right, let's focus on today. We're looking at the futures right now. The Dow futures down about 120 points, even though we have seen bond yields ease a bit. What are you expecting from today's action? Are you expecting any rebound in bond yields? So I think the the jobless, the jobless claims at 830 will be an interesting data point to watch. Um, you know, that's kind of the, the, the most real-time indicator we get from the government as far as um, underlying economic activity. So it's been very low for, for a while. It has certainly not indicated any softness in the labor market. So that will be an important indicator. Um, but I, I think it's sort of healthy that you're not seeing a really sharp follow through this morning in stocks. I think that you know you market rebounds, sustained rebounds are kind of born out of skepticism, fear and pain. And so there's definitely a lot of that around. If we were to see another really sharp rally in the futures, I would be skeptical of it. So I think it's somewhat encouraging as far as sustainability of, of a move higher that we're seeing, um, you know, a little bit of a give back this morning. All right. Again, we're really focused on today. So right now, are there any sectors that you would put money to work in or maybe you would just stay away from knowing the volatility and yields? So I think the sectors that are going to benefit from a drop in yields that, but are also not that economically sensitive, um, like utilities or pharma stand out just given how I see things playing in the, at, playing out over the coming weeks. Like I said, I do think yields have uh, downside risk as the economic activity deteriorates. Um, and so you, utilities and farm are two groups that give you exposure to the yield drop um, without leaving you at risk of, of a, you know, a sharp deterioration in growth momentum. All right. Also, we're seeing Microsoft and Amazon in the crosshairs of regulators over in the UK. Those shares down a bit right now in the pre-market. Are you expecting this to be a tough day for mega cap tech just on you know, regulation concerns going forward? 
I don't think so much the news out of the UK is a bigger is a big deal. Um, you know, I think what you're seeing in the US, where you have you know Google in the middle of a trial right now with the DOJ and Amazon battling uh, an FTC lawsuit. I think those are the much bigger threats than what what was announced in the UK today. Although it does fit in with the broader pattern of of these companies coming under enormous regulatory scrutiny, um, you know, around the world. And so that's the UK is just one small example. But I think investors are much more concerned with the outcome of the Google trial. Um, and then and then and then the outcome of the upcoming Amazon FTC trial. All right. Adam Christopoli about knowledge. Great to have you here on the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. All right. That's going to do it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. We've got Squawk Box coming up next. Thank you for watching. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. At Founders Brewing Company, we set out to create a beer that lets you embrace the unconventional. Mortal Bloom is a radiantly beautiful, hazy IPA that will wrap your taste buds with intense citrus and tropical notes of pineapple and mango. Coming in at 6.2% ABV with big aromatics and no bitterness, it's the perfect beer, if we do say so ourselves. Visit foundersbrewing.com to find Mortal Bloom Hazy IPA.